starting a five-part series on how to be born again. This is very exciting. How to be born again. Is that the title we decided? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. <laughs> We've been wrestling out this title for a long time. Um, <laughs> but um, how to be born again. We're, we're going to be talking about how to begin the Christian life, how to get a proper start in your new life in Christ Jesus. And, and the purpose of this, uh, of this series is twofold. Um, first of all, um, if there may be people in here that um, may not be born again, that may not have started a Christian life. Maybe you're visiting for the first time. Um, maybe, maybe you grew up in a different faith or, or lack thereof. Um, but uh, also, how many of us know that there are, it's possible for someone to be in a church for many, many years of their life, but not actually know Jesus and actually be born again? Um, it is a sad reality, but, but, it, is, but it is there. So um, this will be helpful if you fall anywhere in that category. But really, the, the, my, my primary heart in this series is to equip born-again believers, people that know Jesus, in how to lead someone else and to begin their Christian life, how to help someone else be born again. So this is equipping, and particularly this message today is going to be more on the teaching than on the, than on the preaching side, um, so why I have my whiteboard. And, um, but um, I think this is really important. I have a burden for this. One billion souls are about to come into the kingdom of God. There have been prophetic words about it for decades. People are seeing it. We're on the brink of it. And, and we, we're, we're excited when we come in and worship and we're on the microphone. God, bring in one billion souls. Bring in one billion souls. And then all these people are going to show up one day and we've got to do something with them. <laughs> um, if a million people in Dallas got saved, <laughs> came to Jesus, um, we, um, we, we'd, we'd have a lot of work to do. Um, so, uh, so we want to get people on, on the right start. Um, I'm, uh, I'm starting to find that uh, when, when people come to, to me, they've got, a, they've got a problem, they've got an issue they want to deal with. Um, I'm finding more and more the importance to, um, instead of dealing primarily with the problem at hand, is to take them back to how they started their Christian life. With a, with a baby... If a baby is born and there are some, there are, there are proper steps are not taken at the baby's birth, at the, the initial stages, um, it, it, it puts the baby at risk and in danger. Um, um, so, so if we go back and make the beginning right, it can, it can actually significantly reduce the problem and empower the person to overcome it. So um, how many, we got, we're, row bears, anyone in here? We've, we've had a lot of pregnancies going on. Lately, lots of babies. We like babies. Um, <laughs> so um, I had some questions for them, but um, anyway, they're not here. But um, so I'm equipping you to be midwives. I'm equipping you to birth these new babies into the kingdom of God um, over this series. So um, we can ask the question, at what point is a baby considered born? Anybody? Inception. When is the baby considered born? Buddy, lots of I, I can't hear any of you, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but lots of <laughs> um, different ideas going out there. Does is the baby born when it comes out of the mother's when it when it's out and it's ah there's the baby. Um, is the baby born when you cut off the umbilical cord? Is the baby born after you clean off all the mess that it comes out with? Is the baby born when it cries out? You know, there, 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 um, all these things we can focus on. However, if we spend so much time focusing on the exact instant that the baby is considered born, it can draw our focus away from something that's actually much more important, which is, are we taking the necessary steps to make sure the baby is fully alive? Are we making sure the baby's fully out of the womb. Are we, check, are we making sure that umbilical cord is cut? Check, are we making sure the baby is washed? Are we making sure the baby cries out, wrapped up and put in his mother's arms? And that is the focus that I wanna draw us to in this series. When, when someone is born again, they come into the kingdom of God um, to, to take our focus away from what is the instance that the person is born again, though we will discuss some of that, but, but more so the emphasize on how can we make sure from day one, this person is enjoying all of the life that Jesus purchased for them at the cross. 
Amen? Um, and, uh, and this Christian life, is going, it, it, it begins with four steps. Repentance, faith, water baptism, and Holy Spirit baptism. We're going to do a little overview today and then, um, and then break it up over the, over the following weeks. Um, when I, my, my little story personally, I, I grew up in kind of a di- Christian daycare environment and, um, and so knew about Jesus, sang songs about Jesus, but it was, it was probably about age 15 that I actually started to seek out the scriptures and pray and go to church and start to learn more about Jesus and start to put my faith in Jesus. Um, I was getting involved in youth groups. I had a sincere desire to know the Lord, and um, and but uh, but had, but it was actually another two years before I would say I'd actually fully turned my heart to the Lord and actually repented when I was 17 years old. Um, so and that was powerful experience. I I, lo- I I felt I felt the 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 presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I had a desire for people to know Jesus, and I was telling people about Jesus. Then I get into college, and I'm 19 years old, and I had someone ask me, in fact, it was Phil Carlson, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I had no idea what that meant. I'd never heard that term before. Um, so they took me through some scripture verses, and then, and then another friend, Daniel, have you been water baptized? I'd been sprinkled and christened as a baby, but I had not been dunked, fully submerged, and, and come up. So, um, so. Started as a kid, age 15, really started putting my faith in the Lord. Age 17, really repented. Age 19, got water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so it was about a roughly four or five year process of, 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 um, um, of, of going through each of these steps. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, it, it, it doesn't need to take four, five, or ten years um, to experience all these steps. It doesn't need... It, it, it can happen, actually, in a matter of minutes. Um, and, uh, and, um, but uh, back to this baby analogy. We cut that umbilical cord, speaking of repentance, washing the baby, speaking of water baptism, laying hands on it, wrapping it, speaking, and it, the baby cries out. It's, it just speaks of laying on of hands, receiving the Holy Spirit, being clothed with power from on high, and then putting it in Mama and Papa's arms. Um, Holy Spirit of adoption. It's exciting stuff. So, um, but a lot of what I want to do over this, over this series, too, is, is bring us back to, to New Testament language when counseling somebody into the kingdom of God, when teaching somebody how they must be born again. Um, but um, we've, had, uh, we've had a number of, of euphemisms being thrown around in the body of Christ today, and I'm going to write a few of them down. And... Um, Make a decision for Christ. Make a commitment for Christ. What was my other one? Oh, opening your heart to Jesus. And last of all, and probably the most the one I want to I want to really challenge and help us uh, help us better articulate the most is this one: receive Jesus or accept Jesus. I've probably used every single one of these, <laughs> and um, and and I'm sure many of you have too. And, um, and the reason I'm not I'm not trying to make us feel bad for how we've communicated things in the past. My heart is to how can we be more clear. To somebody, um, I was um, part of uh, SMU. I started ministry right right outside of college, and there was a group that came on campus, and a guy that was preaching the gospel, big evangelism event held held outside, and they would pass out commitment cards, and you would sign the commitment card if you were going to make a decision or make a commitment to follow Jesus. You'd put down your email and your number, and they split them up between all of us campus pastors so we could follow up with them, which was good. Follow up is really good. And, um, and people were really getting encountered at those events. Um, I don't want to minimize any, anything like that. Um, but one individual that I ended up following up with, um, I gave him a call, met with him for coffee, just said, hey, what happened? What's, what's, um, what's going on? And um, he, he filled out a commitment card, 
um, raised his hand, did everything, but it, but it turns out that uh, his, his faith in Jesus was accompanied by faith in multiple gods, multiple ways to God, um, sinful lifestyles that um, Jesus wants to free people from, and, um, and, 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 and not having the Holy Spirit, never being water baptized. Um, none of those things. None of those things were communicated. None of those things were articulated. So, and he actually asked me this question, which I thought was very interesting. He said, I've always wondered what, the, what is the process of accepting Jesus? What do people mean when they say that? Um, and so, in it, because it, I've used that like a thousand times. <laughs> so, um, I want, I, and so I started um, trying to clarify it, and I asked him, have, have you ever heard of the word repentance before? Never heard of it a day in his life. <laughs> Um, so I began to explain, well, here's what Scripture says about repentance. I was real heavy on repentance at that, at that particular point in life. Um, but um, but uh, so I talked to him about repentance, shared some Scriptures with him, and then, and then talked to him about here's what repentance looked like for me in my life and, um, and explained it. And, and by the time I had explained to him what that was, um, he didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, and, um, and there was... You know, he let me pray for him just for God to just show him more about Jesus. He, he, was, he was very open, open-minded um, to Jesus, but very open to many, many other things that are demonic as well. Um, and that man is not walking in freedom in Christ in this day. Okay? Um, so we want to get back. I want to take us back to some New Testament language because when we move away from New Testament language, um, and we, and we, it, it puts us in the danger of moving away from New Testament thinking, New Testament thought, and New Testament practice. What did the apostles do when they initiated somebody into the kingdom of God? So, we're going to do that. Um, first of all, though, I want to give us, uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Um, this passage in your Bible is one of the most bullet-pointed breakdowns of the gospel message that the apostles were communicating in the first century church. Um, and you'll see this exact same thing laid out in various places in the book of Acts. Um, but I, I, I just like this. It's a really good reference um, for, for us. What, is it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What are the faith? What are the the um, essential doctrines of Christianity, what, are, what gospel was being preached in the first century church. So 1 Corinthians 15, let's read it. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and actually this is probably, if I remember correctly, um, probably the earliest account, earliest written account, um, 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 discovered account um, of, of the written gospel. So, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, Paul, so he preached this to them, when they were unbelievers, which you also received, which is good, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved. So by this, gospel, by this particular gospel message, salvation became available to all of these people. So it's really key. We really want to pay attention to this. If you hold fast the word of God, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Whole another message in that verse right there. Um, holding fast. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, after that more than more to five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So, Paul is breaking down, here is the gospel, here are the truths about Jesus that I preached to you, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And these are essential truths to communicate to somebody that wants to know who Jesus is and how to be saved. When you read through the book of Acts and you read through the sermons, I did, I did this cool little study on the book of Acts, and I'm breaking down, okay, what did they say? What did it And, um, and, uh, and I, f- I found something very interesting, that there was more emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus than even on his death and his sacrifice. 
and and that that really stood out to me because um, a lot of a lot of our, our gospel we we preach that he died first and we do that big on that keep going go big on that that's they they communicated that very heavily um, but um, but but the 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 thing about Jesus that stands out amongst all the other religions all the other faiths in the world is that he came out of a grave that he was inside of for three days in a body resurrected body. I was in an interfaith dialogue at SMU last Thursday. We had a Jew, Christian, Muslim talking about science and faith and how science is an important part of each of their faiths and such. And, and, and there are a number of events like this on campus. And there, there are numerous efforts in the world today to unite all of the different faiths and bring them into one. That as long as you have faith in something, you're okay. Jesus is not very different from Muhammad. Jesus is not very different from Moses. But yes, he is because he actually rose from the dead. And this is the message that was preached that was confirmed with signs and wonders. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> and it was revealed to Paul. It can be revealed to us, too. Um, so that's exciting. So they would preach this message. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter is hitting on all of these points and primarily on the resurrection. Um, because everyone around knew that Jesus had died. They saw it. They witnessed it. But, but he said, they, he died for your sins. He died to forgive you and wash you clean. And he proved it. He's going to judge the world one day. And, they, and God proved it, all of that that I'm saying to you right now, by raising him from the dead to which we are eyewitnesses. And 3,000 hearts were cut to the core. And their question, what must we do? What do we do? And Peter gave him this answer. Repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says they all believed. So I didn't write them up. So, um, so, so all of them are involved. He did not, he did not limit it to just one. And, and, and this, this language, I'm not, again, I'm not condemning anybody for using this language, but I'm saying if we just leave it here, we, if we don't talk about repentance, if we don't talk about trusting in Jesus and these essential truths about Jesus. We don't talk about water baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. We're leaving that new Christian with an improper start in their life. Um, and uh, we don't got to do it anymore. <laughs> so, um, so what must I do to be saved? How many of you have heard a message on, on John 3, 3, where Jesus is saying, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God? Good. One, two, three, four, five, six, hundred. <laughs> they're all slowly <laughs> it's like that game where you hit the gophers or the groundhogs whatever <laughs> just popping up <laughs> I miss Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> um, how many of us when we heard that someone said you've got to be born again how many, how many of you had that person explain to you what, exactly what that means one, two, three, four so four of the <laughs> Fine. Um, yeah, you know, Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he's saying, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. And he, he mentions this phrase, which is very interesting. You must be born out of water and out of spirit. Born out of water, out of spirit. We're going to be breaking that down um, as we talk about water baptism, we talk about spirit baptism. He is... Um, He's emphasizing these things. But where do, we, where do we start in the New Testament to find a clear, um, a clear definition of what he means by born again, of what he means by how is one saved? How does one enter the kingdom of God? Um, we have the New Testament. It's made up of the Gospels. We have the book of Acts. We have the epistles and the letters and the book of Revelation. Um, so where do we find it? Um, the Gospels are actually not the primary place where we find how to tell someone how to be born again. How to tell someone, what must I do to be saved? Um, the Gospels, they're too early. And you can't find a full Gospel account. They, the, all of these, all these different steps are mentioned. Um, but, um, but there were certain things that couldn't happen before Jesus died. Baptism, water baptism before the death of Jesus, meant something else than it did after Jesus died and rose again. Jesus and his disciples, John the Baptist, they were baptizing people. Um, in, in, when Jesus was alive, um, before, before he died and rose again. But afterwards, in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 19, people that had received John's baptism, they were re-baptized because it was now identifying them with the death and the burial of Jesus. 
where we bury the old nature and we're raised up in the newness of life. So all of them were rebaptized. Um, um, faith in Jesus while he was walking around on the earth meant faith in his name, faith in the, in the man, faith in him as the son of man. He is, he is sent as, as the son of God. Um, however, this idea of him dying on the cross and being risen from the dead, he told them that was going to happen, but it didn't quite connect with their minds. And it wasn't, it was, it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't fully seen. It wasn't fully manifested. And we see this evident in Acts 19. Paul goes to Ephesus. He finds some disciples that were trained by John the Baptist. John the Baptist preached Jesus. He said, there's coming one who's more powerful than I. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Paul found out, oh, they've, they, they don't know that Jesus is, you know, he's, he's, he's risen and he's the Holy Spirit is available now <laughs> and they can enjoy that. So he corrected the, the situation. He baptized them in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So, um, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit is not given um, in, in, um, in the Gospels. It is talked about, it's pre- it is the thrust of John the Baptist's message. There's coming one more powerful than I. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus told his disciples. He told them to water baptize, and he said, wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. But the experience was not, um, was not articulated yet. Um, the epistles and revelation are too late. Because the epistles and the letters and the book of Revelation, these are written to people who are already believers. So it doesn't go through the steps in those, in those particular um, letters. And, and when we, we're, if we're basing our theology on how to lead someone into the kingdom of God with the letters and with the book of Revelation, it's actually going to be inadequate because it does not clearly um, articulate these necessary steps that are clear. Again, going back to a baby being born, I want a clear outline. I, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, <laughs> I had a pastor tell, telling a story one time about his wife was starting to go into labor in his house, and he was trying to deliver the baby <laughs> with a little this, a picture book like this thick <laughs> right next to him, spreading out trash bags everywhere <laughs> in the room, and he's about to deliver the baby. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And the baby comes out, and he, he sees a foot. <laughs> <laughs> the wife's like, honey, what's wrong? Honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, well, um, I see a foot. A foot? <laughs> That's really bad news. You're supposed to see the head. <laughs> um, so uh, he's calling the hospital on the phone. He's like, well, you know, I'm delivering my wife's baby, and, and a foot popped out. And they're like, oh, my God, don't do anything. We're on our way right now. Ambulance is rushing over to the house, and, uh, and, and, and they, they, they're able to get her to the hospital, and the baby is properly born. Um, but um, that book didn't have all the complete steps. <laughs> had some nice pictures, had some nice things, and, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> doesn't tell you what to do when you see a foot. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Likewise, in initiating somebody into the kingdom of God and for them being born again, and not just born, but, but fully alive and enjoying new life, we want to make sure we take these necessary steps. So um, that leaves us um, with one book, Book of Acts. The Book of Acts tells us how the apostles ministered to unbelievers and initiated them into the kingdom of God. And there are actually um, two particular passages. You can write these down. To look at later, Acts 8, Acts 19, um, I, I put Acts 2 in there too, but they start with any account, or they start with, an, they give a full detail of Christian initiation in each of these accounts, and they took people through these four steps, which I've already mentioned. Repent of your sins toward God, um, believe in the Lord Jesus, be baptized in water, and receive the Holy Spirit. These are four essential steps, and if any one of these was lacking in any group of disciples that the apostles encountered, they immediately um, um, 
completed the process. Um, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll break that down over these coming weeks. But, um, but Luke, in the book of Acts, he doesn't mention all four of these things every single time. Um, he, um, that's, that would be a lot of words. Every single time, every single encounter that they had, repent, they repented, they believed in Jesus, they were water baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but he would often, there, there are some times where he does outline them all, but there are, most of the time he highlights one of these. Um, and he emphasizes one of, of just extreme importance. On the day of Pentecost, he emphasizes 3,000 were baptized in that day. That's a lot of people in one day, one by one. 3,000 times. We got them all. <laughs> Love the story from Heidi Baker that she uh, was doing baptisms, and the government was like trying to accuse and shut down her orphanage because of of baptizing kids in, in unsanitary, unsanitary, insanitary, unsanitary, <laughs> um, unsanitary water. And, um, and she didn't really know what to say because after about 12, 15, 20 people, you know, that she's pulled out of garbage dumps that don't shower very often, um, that water is getting dirty. Um, so they kind of had that against her, yes. But, um, but she was baptizing one by one by one, 3,000 baptized in one day, and they believed. Um, and um, in Acts 10, there was an emphasis on, on receiving the Holy Spirit. He, Peter was preaching to a group of Gentiles, and, um, and right as he, he's preaching the gospel, and right before he makes the altar call, come and be saved and get circumcised. <laughs> right before the circumcision altar call, the Holy Spirit falls and says, oh, we better get down there quick. <laughs> this is not going to be, everything's going to be messed up. Um, <laughs> so Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles while Peter is preaching. And, and so they all receive the Holy Spirit. They all speak in tongues and, um, and, and prophesy. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, they were, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit just like we were. Well, what do we do next? Peter was like, I guess we water baptize them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> It wasn't, and, and, and so this is emphasized, but it wasn't enough that they just received the Holy Spirit. They had to get dunked in water. And we see later that it was clear just in, in accounts that they, they did repent, that they did, they did believe as well. Um, we can break that down. Um, so different, different accounts, different things. And so people who began their relationship um, with God in the New Testament began it with all three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, and, and what we're finding in the church today is that many people are starting their Christian life without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, my, um, my grandmother, two days ago, 80 years old, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> You're never too old to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or too young. Well, <laughs> after you, I don't know. That, that, oh, that. Um, I'll go and I'll do it. I'll share the testimony with you. Um, so, um, so telling people just leave, oh, I already erased them. Telling people just to make a decision for Christ, just to make a commitment, just to pray this prayer, and those things are helping. And those things are. I I, I had a um, a really good talk with, and I, I've mentioned this before. A really good talk with JJ, who does does prison ministry. Can't exactly baptize the guys on the other side, you know, <laughs> and so she's leading them to Christ. Some are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a really good story of her that she just prayed with the woman to, to, um, to turn her heart to the Lord, to, to believe in Jesus, and the girl later gets filled with the Holy Spirit's on fire for God, so it's just, it's awesome. You know, real things are happening at these events, at these conferences and such, and, um, but, um, but, what, but I, what I believe the Lord's moving the body of Christ into is saying, Let's do everything we can to get every single one of these steps involved as soon as possible so that the new believer can enjoy all the life that, that, that is available to them from, from the beginning. Um, so um, the Gospels, they anticipate all of these things. Jesus mentions them. John the Baptist is talking about them. Um, the patterns there is just never put together. The epistles in Revelation, they assume that all these things, they're, they're writing to believers that they assume have repented, believed, been baptized, and received the Holy Spirit. And Paul's constantly reminding them of these events and is giving them confidence in their position in Christ. Um, and, it's, and, it's in, and, it's, and he's using these 
memorable events and distinguished, distinguishable events um, to give them, uh, to, um, to, to remind them of the power that they now have to overcome sin, um, to walk in new life. He's saying, don't you remember that you repented and turned from idols to the living God? Don't go back to those things. You cut that off. You cut that umbilical cord. You don't have to go back to that. Don't you remember how you believed in Jesus, how you put your faith in him as, as the way to God? Um, don't you remember how you were, how you were water baptized how in Romans 6? You were buried with him in baptism, raised up in newness of life. Therefore, you're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then, don't you remember how you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive it by faith or by the works of the law? So he's constantly taking them back. Um, the only epistle that they appear in in, in, in a real uh, pattern and order is the book of Hebrews. And they, and they actually appear in Hebrews in this exact order as they do in the book of Acts. Talking about, let us not again lay the foundations again of repentance from dead works, of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, of, of baptisms and in the laying on of hands. Um, so, uh, so, so it mentions it there. But Acts is the only book that really articulates and shows us what this experience looks like. So, a little more teaching moment. Again, this is heavier on the teaching. What did I do? My pen. Um, there have been different groups in the body of Christ that have emphasized um, one of those um, more so than the others. We have, um, we have our liberal friends that, um, and liber- that, I don't mean this in a, in a bit, liberal is, have, have emphasized heavily repentance. Doing good deeds, doing changing of attitudes, changing of behaviors, um, and and more recently in things um, that this emphasis has actually been more recently on social and political issues more so than on things like sexual immorality, purity, things like that, um, which is unfortunate. But um, then, so uh, so what does it mean to be a Christian that you have changed all your attitudes and your behavior and you're doing good things for society? Um, the evangelical stream has emphasized belief. Someone comes up to them, says, how must I be born again? You've got to believe in Jesus. They lead him through a prayer. And, and, and too often that, that there is, there is a little to zero emphasis on water baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, or, or repentance sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it's not all the time. But, uh, but sometimes, in, in, and I know this being in ministry, there, there's, there's that pressure to put in your newsletter how many people raise their hand to receive Jesus one day. And there's, there's not as much emphasis on, on, on making sure that that person is, is gone through all the initial steps um, and hoping that some pastor or friend will follow up with them and take care of it. Um, no, we can, we, can, we can be the one. Just you and I, it doesn't take a full-time ministry, just lay people. Um, and then you have the sacramental streams. Some of you are just like, I don't care about any of this. Um, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. That means a lot. <laughs> the sacramental streams, Catholic, Episcopal, Presbyterian, such, they emphasize water baptism. I'm just going to put water baptism, uh, water. Um, and so they believe, how do I become a Christian? How do I get born again? You get water baptized, and it's often practiced in infant baptism, which I'm going to challenge very directly over these coming weeks. Um, I do not believe that is, that is a scriptural or valid um, baptism. Um, so, sacramental streams, water baptism, and then lastly, your Pentecostal, charismatic, <laughs> Holy Spirit. They emphasize the Holy Spirit um, and often talk about two receptions of the Holy Spirit. Um, which we'll talk about in, a, in the coming weeks. Um, so, um, but if we, take, if we take just one of these and only emphasize one of these, we are doing the person a disservice. And, um, and, and, and just highlighting on one single truth and, and, and one single aspect and process, is, is it's, going to, it's, it's, it's going to leave out other essential steps. Um, again, the baby. Get that umbilical cord cut. Get them washed, get them wrapped, put them in mama, papa's arms. All of those things are absolutely necessary. Um, but, um, but the underlying theme of all these things is faith. 
it connects all of them. Um, someone, I, I can't imagine someone truly repenting um, of, of their sins without faith in Jesus Christ, to wash away those sins that they're buried and they, they're raised up in new life. If, if, if uh, um, faith, is, faith is an essential part in changing our, 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 the way we think and the way we live. Um, baptism without faith does nothing, as, as Paul points out in Colossians. Um, Paul points out in Galatians, the Holy Spirit is received by faith. Faith is, is the most important and the most emphasized in the New Testament, but it is not a faith that excludes any one of these. Make sense? Um, and, and just this, uh, this, this uh, concept of being saved, um, we, we take the word saved. I love to say so-and-so got saved. They got saved. I mean, the New Testament, it says it in Acts that there were, it was their, 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 the number that were being saved was being multiplied day by day. So, um, so, so it's biblical. Um, but we often equate saved with going to heaven. And this is actually the, um, the only the beginning part of salvation. When, 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 when Jesus, Jesus' name means salvation, the angel Gabriel said, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Saved from sins. Um, that's really important. If, if we are not just safe, we've, we've looked at saved as just this idea of being safe from hell. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm saved. I'm good. So we focus on the minimal things of I pray this prayer and I'm safe and I'm going to heaven. But a person is not fully saved in the, ten, in the sense of the New Testament word, saved from their sins if they're still living in bondage to their sins. And there's salvation and there's freedom that's available that can only be fully experienced if every single one of these steps are taken. Okay? Um, let's not focus on the minimal anymore. Let's give them all of Jesus, all the Holy Spirit, all of Father God, all of it from, from day one just like the apostles did. Yeah. I was at TSU a year ago, um, and, uh, and I, was, I was sharing my testimony and, and, um, and just weaving into the gospel. And, uh, and about 10, uh, 10 people came up for prayer. And this one, this guy at the end, maybe some of you have heard this before, but, but this one man named Stephen, he's, he's, he's a tall dude, really built guy. Um, and, uh, and as soon as me and the campus minister come up to, the other campus minister come to pray over him, um, Stephen immediately begins manifesting a demon. Like, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> um, but, um, and I just hear the word occult, witchcraft. And so I start, I start rebuking that, which I don't know if that was a good idea. Um, but I <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually know it was because he passed out on the floor and was unconscious. So I was like, okay, good. Um, <laughs> he's a big dude you know when someone starts manifesting they they pass out on the ground and they're not moving that's a really good really good sign um <laughs> takes a lot less work um but uh, but we so we start praying for a couple of other guys and then and then steven gets back up and he's just sitting down against the wall back against the wall and i go and i sit next to him by myself which i learned was not a good idea um <laughs> well everybody else is probably about 10 to 15 feet away 20 guys praying for one person. <laughs> They're all circled around <laughs> praying for him. And I'm over here with Stephen that just passed out. Um, and uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, I just, um, I just want to ask you if there's been any involvement in your life and your family of, of a cult or witchcraft. Um, and he said, well, not with me, but my dad is like an occult priest or something like that. And so I was like, has anyone ever taken you through renouncing any of these um, and just, just breaking agreement with any of that. And he's, he said no. So I was just like, okay, Holy Spirit, what do we do? And just started, okay, leading him through renouncing it. He starts manifesting like crazy, pushing over chairs, pushing over tape. And this is a big dude. And I'm like, help, 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 help. Everybody else over here, all their hands on one man. I'm over here, little Matthew, big Stephen, who's manifesting some ancient occult demon. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, it took five guys to hold this guy down, like big dudes. <laughs> We're like casting this demon out of him. Turns out the guy's not, not a, not a, not, he grew up in the church, not saved. Um, I ask him about being born again. Has he been born again? And, and he's 
It's like, no, what? I don't even know what that means. So I'm explaining it to him. I'm explaining these, these, some of these steps to him. Um, and, uh, and so he turns his heart to the Lord. He repents of all of his stuff. And, and he comes out of that experience saying, I was going to go to my house tonight to a, to a party, drink a lot of alcohol, and hook up with the girl that was there. But something told me to come here. And so I was like, dude, we need to baptize you right now. So we went down to the San Marcos Lake or River and, and baptized him right there. Um, and as soon as he came up, we laid hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. And he received it immediately. Now, so praise Jesus. <laughs> um, he actually did start manifesting a demon a little more. I, that, that was not the exciting part. Um, but he got some, he got some follow-up deliverance and, 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 and such. And so I actually saw him here a few months ago. Um, and I was looking at him. I was like, Stephen? <laughs> I'm like, do you get all those demons out of you? Uh, and, and he's like, he just kind of laughed. Um, he is like on the campus regularly sharing the gospel. He was here. He was on his way to a Jesus culture conference. He's sharing the gospel. He's leading people to Jesus. It's just like, come on, Jesus. Day one. And that same night, at that same, same campus, we go home. We, it's like 2 a.m. Those, those demons cost me a lot of sleep that night. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm about to go to bed, and someone knocks on my door, and they're like, hey, this guy Brian's about to, about to get saved. Do you want to come in? And I was like, oh, I, I thought they were just having a conversation about the Bible in the living room. And I was like, I didn't know he was getting saved. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I sit down, and I'm like, did you just, like, get saved? And he's like, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and again, I like that term, but we want to we want to take him all the way. So we just, you know, he didn't even we didn't even lead him through a sinner's prayer. He turned in his heart to the Lord. We're praying over him, and he starts. Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Um, <laughs> but luckily, it was the Holy Spirit this time. And uh, and I, I asked him, I'm like, Brian, are you getting the urge to pray in a language that's not, you know, that you've never learned before? And he's like nodding his head. So I just quickly give it, like, the Lord wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, give you the gift of tongues, da, 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 da. And so we just lay hands on him, and he just, right there on the couch, leans back, eyes go in the back of his head. For 10 minutes, he's in a trance. He comes back out, like, hey, where'd you go? <laughs> he told us some things he saw. Um, I was like, dude, you need to get baptized right now. We ran the bathtub water. We baptized that guy right then, right there. Day one. Day one. Does that mean Stephen didn't have some problems to still sort out? No. But he had a proper foundation. Um, and, um, and we can have it too. So I want to quickly go through just a couple of more terms um, in the scripture to bring some clarity. Is um, We have, and then we're going to wrap up. But there, there are two words in the New Testament that... that um, describe this born-again experience, conversion, and regeneration. We like these words. What, what, why are those important? What, how do we get someone to convert? What, is it, what do they need to do? Um, well, these two things um, actually are describing the exact same thing, but are highlighting different angles of it. Conversion, when the New Testament used the word convert, it talks about it's never something that God does. God does not convert people. <laughs> Got a lot of looks just now. Every time the word convert is used in the New Testament, it's talking about what an individual does to himself or what an individual does to somebody else. Be converted, convert yourselves, or convert other people convert them from their sins. And it simply means turn around, turn, turn. So I turn myself, I repent, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 or I turn somebody else to the Lord um, through preaching the gospel, through loving them, signs and wonders, all that fun stuff. Um, so um, this, uh, this word in the New Testament is describing our part, what, what, we, what we do. Um, and it covers all four steps, repent, Believe, be baptized in water, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, covers all four steps. Um, and, but, um, but all four of those steps actually um, are, are God's part as well and involve his activity. 
And that's where this word comes in, regeneration. So conversion is man's part, regeneration, God's. And both God and man are involved in every single one of these steps. The Bible says that God grants us repentance, that this faith is not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. That when we are baptized, God washes away our sins. That when we receive the Holy Spirit, um, we, um, he pours out his spirit on us. So there is, there is at every stage, I'm doing something and God's doing something. Um, and, uh, and you have, you have Calvinists and Arminians, which some of you may not care about, but, um, but Calvinists are typically, are typically stressing God's part, Arminians, man's part. Um, and it's all of it, both are necessary and, and intimately involved in the process. Um, when I repent, it's God giving it to me. When I believe, God's giving me belief, um, and and so forth. And um, and we when we get this idea that this, what is, when is a person born again? At what instant is somebody truly born again? And the Calvinists will say, well, it happens somewhere, but it happens before all of them. You've got to get regenerated before you can do any of them. The Arminians are saying, well, it happens somewhere after faith and before water baptism, because you got to convert. You got to put faith. And so um, Catholics are saying it happens at water baptism. You get sprinkled, you become a Christian, you get born again. Um, but in the Bible, the born again experience always involved this process. Repent, believe, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, we may not be able to specify the exact instant, but we can specify when the process of birth is complete. Again, with the baby, Arguing about at what single instant moment it's born is taking our focus away from what's more important. Have the necessary steps been taken so that the baby can be fully alive and healthy and get a right start in life. Um, so, worship team, come up. Our emphasis needs to be on these new babies experiencing um, full life in Jesus Christ. Um, and um, just, being, just being born is not enough. It's about being fully alive. It's about going on and becoming a disciple and all of these things. Um, but we want to get people a proper start. And um, you may be one that has, um, has not gone through one of those steps. And, um, and we're going to break down those things throughout the weeks. But, um, but if there's something that's already stirred in your heart, you're like, I, I, haven't, I haven't done this. I'm, I'm saying, why wait? Ananias went to Paul and said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. <laughs> um, there's uh, my, my grandmother, my 80-year-old grandmother, yesterday, or uh, Thursday, Friday, um, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as I've been just thinking about these things and praying about these things, I've been, I've been, um, I've been convicted, and I've, I've been uh, urgent, um, a, a growing sense of urgency for people in my life, in my family particularly, that, that I led to the Lord, um, that, um, that I didn't take them through all the steps. Um, I don't condemn myself. I went with what I knew, what I understood. Um, there was, um, but um, I was thinking about these. I was like, my grandmother, my dad, my sister, they've all repented. They've all believed. They've all been watered, baptized. They, but they, they have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, and they need the Holy Spirit. Um, every single person, every single new baby needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I, I was like, I'm going to start with my grandma because I think she trusts me the most. <laughs> so I go have lunch with her, and I actually forgot until I was on my way. We have lunch, and, um, and I come, we get back to her apartment, and I just start asking her, and I, I tell her a little bit about my experience. Mimi, you know, I gave my, I call her Mimi, gave my life to Jesus, um, was water baptized, but then someone asked me about baptism in the Holy Spirit. I started describing to her what that meant um, and what, it, what the Bible described that as. And I asked her, have you ever had an experience like this? Um, I come to find out that she had actually had an encounter with Jesus about 40, 50 years ago. She, she had, was in a trance during surgery where she saw Jesus. And, it, and that, that caused her to turn to the Lord. And then she got water baptized. Um, and so she's like, is that what you mean? 
And, um, and so I began to explain to her, well, Mimi, there's actually the Apostle Paul in the Bible had a visible encounter with the risen, resurrected Christ. But then God raised up a man named Ananias to go water baptize him and lay hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. That initial encounter with Jesus was not complete. All of those steps had to be taken. Um, and so I'm talking to my Mimi and, and she starts just opening up about just this pain and woundedness from her past and just not ever feeling truly and fully forgiven by the Lord. Um, and so I start, um, I actually start sharing an encounter with her I had a couple of weeks ago and just just the message I felt like the Lord had for us, um, had, had for her. And both of us just, just it's, it's, so, it's personal, so I don't want to give you a lot of details, but it was just, we both just burst into tears as I'm sharing this testimony. And she's just crying. She says, you have no idea how much this means to me. You have no idea how much this means to me. She's able to, to forgive and to, and, just to, and, to, um, and to receive healing in her heart. And, 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 and she's, I'm praying over her. She's just weeping. And, and, um, and I said, Mimi, now the Lord wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the gift of tongues. He wants to, and you're, you're gonna, he's gonna fill you and he's gonna give you the ability to praise him in a new language. And uh, I lay hands on her and she is, she's rocking back and forth. She's moving and she's just, um, I can tell something's happening. After a few minutes, I'm, Mimi, what's going on? What are you feeling? She's, I just, I just saw this, this bright light. Like I, I, I went back, she went back to that original encounter she had with Jesus. She, I saw Jesus again. He just, he just said, everything's gonna be okay. And she says, I, now I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. I've, I've been, I, I feel fully forgiven. And she just, for the first time, really experienced what it means to be forgiven. I said, now, Mimi, God has filled you with his Holy Spirit. Now you can, you can speak to him in a new language and we're gonna do it. And she just starts, <laughs> and just the peace of God, the love of God, just filling her heart. And she's just 80 years old, 80 year old woman you can have it all today. So if you are one of those that you need one of those steps completed in your life, we're, again, we're going to break them down over these coming weeks. But I say, if God's highlighting something, He's pointing on something right now, why wait? Come up here. We want to get you baptized. We want to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we want to pray with you. So prayer team, come on up. And if, if you're in that category, I want to have you come to this side of the room over here. Um, but if you want to come up for prayer for anything else, you need healing in your body, you have family members that you want to know the Lord, and you want someone to agree with you, you need prayer for anything else, I just want to have you come over here to, to the left side. Yeah, so Father, we thank you. We thank you for new life in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that each person this here in this room would experience all the life that you've purchased for us, God. And that, Lord, you would equip, you would empower us to lead people into a full rebirth, God. That you would anoint us. That, Lord, our words, as we preach the gospel, signs and wonders would break out. That, Lord, hearts would be cut to the core. And that, Lord, we would see them experience new life at the full measure. In Jesus' name.